Hello, friends. It's been two weeks since we've been together. Far too long. But between those two weeks, a ton has happened. I'm back from Guatemala with some friends. We got a lot to talk about. Welcome to a special edition, Guatemala edition of The Deep End. It is Wednesday noon time, and I am here. You are here. What else do we need, friends? It is the Deep End Podcast, your daily dose of diving deeper into the Bible. Uh, weekly dose, sorry, not daily. Weekly dose of diving deeper into the Bible. Revelation chapter 10 is on the docket today, but before we get there, I want to talk about what I did last week, and I've got some friends in studio with me to talk about that. This is the Guatemala edition, the Guatemala edition of the Deep End Podcast. Now, we're not just going to talk about Guatemala. got a lot of other things we're going to talk about, including Revelation chapter 10. So stay with us if you've been watching this podcast series, uh, season two of the Deep End, as we go through the book of Revelation. But today, I want to take just a few moments to talk about what happened last week for members of Waters Church. Uh, 28 of us went down to the great nation of Guatemala on a mission trip, and we are back, and we are here to talk about it. And joining me, joining me, in the studio today, two of the members of that trip, Josh Vining. What's up? How you doing? Good. And Chris Good. McEwen back in the studio. Yes, sir. So you guys were there, and uh, we had a great time. We did. Yes, we did. We did. Guatemala is a special, special place. Yeah. yeah. And I was just so thrilled to be there with you guys. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of uh, laughter. Yeah, a lot yes. of fellowship. Yes. <laughs> and then we had just a lot of powerful moments with God, with yeah. those people, yeah. with uh, just doing just just an amazing, uh, amazing time. Working with an organization in Guatemala called Hope of Life. Hope of Life. Now, I've got a picture here that I want to put up on the screen. If you're watching this on YouTube, you, you're just not going to believe this. This is crazy. This picture was what we saw. Every morning. Every morning. Every, every morning, morning. Yeah. That's, that's from our I hotel. I miss it. Yeah. And uh, it was gorgeous. <laughs> you would wake up, and it was like 85 degrees every day and yep. sunny and sh- uh, the polar opposite of what we have right now up here in New England. But Hope of Life, uh, a mission that has been active in the country of Guatemala for 31 years, yeah. started by a guy named uh, Carlos Vargas, who is from Johnston, Rhode Island, Creston right. Johnston. He was a jewelry, uh, I think he was a, in the jewelry business. Right. Yeah. Uh, and... Yeah, 31 years ago, uh, gave his life to Christ in a significant way and made a deal with God, actually, to be uh, given to his purposes and mission. And just so much to talk about. Yeah. You know, if you come to our church, you're going to hear a lot more about that, and you're going to actually hopefully one day see that guy uh, in our church. I can't wait to have him come up and visit us at Waters Church. But So I don't want to talk too much about that. Uh, I do want to talk about the trip. And so, guys, you know, this is an opportunity for you guys. Let's just have a conversation around this and the importance of this trip and what it did for you guys. I want the audience to hear what it did for you guys personally. Sure. You know, this is your yeah. second time, Chris. Right. My first time to Guatemala. I've been to El Salvador. But, Josh, your very first, first mission trip. mission trip yeah. ever. And uh, I have a picture also of the team. This is the team oh that went with us. Uh, this is We are all wearing our <laughs> Waters Church shirts. Yes. And that was, I think, our first day. So you can see that we all look energized on the first day. <laughs> yeah, show the last day. Yeah, the no. last day we don't look quite as energized. It was, <laughs> it was exhausting. So 28 Waters Church people. If there's 29, that's because there's a guy named Jeff there from another organization who was with us uh, guiding the tour. Right. And uh, we went to villages. Um, one of the villages here, oh, yeah. we took these pictures after we would uh, give the villages food and, and medicine. medicine. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more, too. This was another village that we went to on the same <laughs> day. This was last Tuesday. Uh, it was extremely sunny. Um, I remember this moment this moment because I remember those orange walls. I call this place the dehydration station <laughs> because by this time on Tuesday, we were all like fainting and oh, yeah. sunburn. We needed burn. electrolytes. Yeah. And we did. It was tough. So, you know, guys talk freely. Like I want you to share with the audience, deep in audience, you know, what was your impression? What, what did, what happened? Yeah. Josh, I was well, there before. This was your first time. Oh, so let's um, hear what you have to say. So, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was transforming. For myself, um, never been on a mission trip before, so just having the opportunity to um, to see to see the way other people in the world 
live, yeah. I guess, was transforming for me. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't really realize kind of how sheltered we are here in the United States until you actually get out and see there is the rest of the world. Yeah. And uh, the opportunity to go and meet the needs of the people in Guatemala um, physically um, and spiritually um, it was just, uh, it was a blessing for me. Yeah. Uh, I can't say enough about it. Well, the word I took back that is the same word I took back the first time, which I always want. I'm hoping we get more and more people to be able to go from one church and come back with the same. And that's the plan. And that's yeah. the plan. But perspective, you know, on the same, same wavelength as you, but perspective, just seeing how they live and, and being appreciative of what we have and what we come back to. Um, some people feel guilt almost coming back to such abundance you know, but it's not something to feel guilty. That's why we went there. We went there to provide what was needed. And, you know, Holy Spirit was there. God lit a fire yeah. back in me and, and 28 other people, yeah. I think. So you do come back with a bit of a fire in your spirit. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah. And I remember that uh, I was actually thinking about when I went to El Salvador, just the way that your perspective changes because you just don't realize how blessed we are as Americans. Right. So true. It's, it's like we're in the bubble here. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. in the Americanized, everything's at our fingertips bubble. And we have so much. Right. And we complain so much as Americans. Yeah. Like, we are the nation of complaints. <laughs> and yet we are the most comfortable nation on earth. We have more than our predecessors uh, historically, geographically. You know, uh, I think of all time, the richest, the richest, most luxurious nation and standard of living in human history. Sure. Um. And, and I was thinking about this. I told this, our staff this morning when I came back for our staff meeting at church was, I, you know, I think every American should just get on their, on their hands and right. knees like every morning and just kiss the ground before you start. Uh-huh. the ground. You live in the most blessed nation. And, I, you know, I, can, I know what's happening right now. You're listening to the podcast. You're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, and you're saying, yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard that. I, I know, I know. But I got problems. Okay, you don't have problems. Yeah. You need yeah. to go and you need to see how the rest of the world lives because the rest of the world does not live the way we live. No, perspective. No. I mean, it, it puts all your problems into perspective and seeing what they deal with. Yeah. I think it would be a really, really great idea would be to make it a requirement that you have to visit a different country like yeah. this before you graduate high school in America. Well, Imagine good. what that would that'd do. Be good. Yeah. You want to talk about like, you know, uh, appreciations <laughs> levels going up, you know, gratitude levels going up. It would, cha- I think yeah. it would fundamentally change America. Well, Could. Yeah. And like you said about the, uh, about the complaining, like, Never once while we're in Guatemala did we I did I ever hear anyone complain there, and they have much less than us. How, yeah. about, how about the children? The children were just so happy, yeah. smiles. They were waving, yeah. yeah, appreciative and thankful. They just wanted to play with us. It yeah. was, uh, it was, yeah, it was an amazing experience, and I do actually have a picture here of a kid that we met oh, yeah. in Guatemala. <laughs> we called him Guatemala Chris. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, because he was outgoing, he was handsome, he was all those things that make the name Chris. Can we be honest? There is outgoing. Yes. Uh, Yes. There is. (laughs) Go ahead. Be honest. Go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. There is a Chris in every country. There is a Chris in every country. There's got to be one. Well, you know, when we showed up at his village, he was the first one. He was out there waiting for us because he knew goodies from the Americans. (laughs) and he was jumping around, grabbed them. No, I was giving another kid a piggyback ride, and he came up to me. He's like, "No, me, no, me, no, me." Yes, that is something I would do. Yeah. And so then one day. We had an opportunity to go rescue a baby. Yes, uh, yeah. up in the mountain. So I have a picture of that here. This is our, our <laughs> this is our in-house guest, uh, Josh. Uh, <laughs> our baby rescuing now, outfits. That is a pose that Josh Vining gave me. He was not caught off guard with that camera. <laughs> I didn't give any consent to this picture <laughs> at all. No, I, I didn't, didn't see this one. When did you sneak that one? He saw my camera and he made that pose. That was on the way up the mountain. You guys are in the back of the truck. I was in the cab. Okay, I stuck my phone. Oh, up there. yeah, comfortably in the cab. I was comfortable in the cab. You guys were riding in the back. We went up to the mountain to rescue a baby. Unfortunately, the baby didn't want to be rescued yeah. after all. So like, one mom, in a hundred times they say that happens. Yeah, too. and this is this is Carlos Vargas's big passion, which is to rescue babies who are up on these mountains. And you say, why are the babies up at the mountains? Because the people live there, right? But yeah. they're so disconnected from civilization. Yeah, and it's funny because you land when you fly into Guatemala, you fly into Guatemala City, city, and it just looks like a rundown city. Right. But it's a city. It's got a Walmart. It's got gas stations. It's got shopping malls. It's got theaters. But it's run. It looks run down. Yeah, like, oh, it yeah. looks like a dirty American city, if you if yeah. I recall anything. And then you just start to head out the city, and it becomes so barren, mm-hmm. and it becomes so impoverished so quickly. 
And then you can go even to another level of impoverishment, right. which is up on those mountains where yeah. people have made their homes. Yeah. And we, one day, I'll never forget this one, <laughs> we took a 90-minute a truck drive. It's like two hours. In the back of a truck, standing in the back of a truck, a tr- a be- a, 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 the bed of the truck. Yeah. Up to the top of the mountain, a ride I thought would never end. <laughs> you kept giving me the eye. I kept saying, Chris, are we almost there? You kept saying, oh, we're halfway. <laughs> no, no. 17 halfway. Five Give or take five minutes. Give or take, take five, five minutes. minutes. It was a big line in the, in the trip. But we, we drove two hours from the Hope of Life Center. Then we drove a 90-minute 90, 90 back-of-the-truck drive up to the top of the mountain, got there, and there's a village. Right. People. Uh, 1,600. Living in yeah. this village on the top of a mountain. With nothing, with no access to any of no. modern conveniences, they are they're living in in um, houses that you, mud you would huts, build with really. mud and uh, spare wood that you'd find, you know, in the back of a Home Depot. Yeah, no floors, nothing, just no on the floors. dirt. Right, yeah. and uh, the number one question I got from everybody is, uh, what do they do for food? And they they raise up sugar and corn, and they drive down once or twice a week and trade that for supplies. And they've got this massive uh, malnutrition, oh, malnutrition yeah. problems. They have serious health problems. Yeah, we uh, saw that. Huh? We went into one house that would break your heart. Yeah. It just, I rem- it, it, there, this it was like a shack with yeah. a mud floor and and these like tables for beds. And there was two people walked in there and they hadn't, the girl lying on the table had not stood up for two years. Two years. Two years. Just lying in on bed. her stomach on this table yeah. just for two years. There's another guy like looking like he was keeled over. Looked like he was dead when I Severe first Severe dehydration. Right? And then I was right outside, remember right uh, under the roof, there was their cooking station. Yeah. And so what we saw was all the soot from yeah. the cooking station went up into the roof and right over the wall, which didn't go all the way up to the roof, into the house. So these two people. Every time mo- their mother, I guess that was their mother, right, with them, Think so. cooked, the smoke just went right into the house and just flooded the house. And you could see the thick, thick layer of soot all over the walls and the ceiling of the entire house. And was, that's uh, one of the major problems besides malnutrition is the lack of education. The lack of education. Just not yeah. understanding that simple yeah. thing right there. Yeah. So, we, I mean, we were saying, look, you guys got to move this cooking station. Yeah. Just move it out. But anyway, and then we walked in and we prayed over the girl. Yep. First yeah. off, we had a paramedic and a nurse, a couple yeah. of nurses with us. And so they went, o- they went in first. You know, Scripture says in James chapter 5 that we uh, anoint with oil and then we lay hands and pray. And I think I take that two ways. Number one, we administer medicine. Yeah. Anoint with oil. Oil was an ancient medicine. Uh, and then we pray. So the two go together. But first take care of the medical needs and then pray for God to restore. So they took care of the medical. They did a... Um, Quick assessment of the of the condition of the girl, and then we prayed, and then she got up, got up and walked. She got, she got up. up, she walked out of the house. Yeah, which first was time like, in two years, and spent it some time out of the house too. She yeah. was outside for a while. She was outside. So that was us. a miracle. It felt and like we just saw an Old Testament miracle know, in front amazing. of us. And then he got up. We yep. prayed for him. Yeah. He got up. He walked out. Yep. We yeah. gave him some water. I mean, there's still a long way to go with both of them. Sure. Even after we left, I could tell like there's there's some serious just health issues around the whole village and especially in that one house that probably was the most heartbreaking thing i think i've ever seen in my life and we didn't see one percent of that village i mean yeah you know there was so much there we couldn't see everything so we would we would ride up to these mountains we would go visit these villages and then we rode back and and it was just it was just powerful to see we tried to do a baby rescue so back to that which is his his main passion is rescuing babies from these malnourished homes at the top of these mountains and so you know uh we actually Met the first baby rescue right. uh, of his mission's history. Talk yep. about that, Chris. Well, so he, on, on the last day, they kind of do this performance with the orphans there, and he was part of that, and he sang a song that he wrote, Thank You, God, for Saving Me. He's actually coming, I think, to Johnson, Rhode Island uh, this summer, which is really cool. But um, he was the first baby that Carlos rescued 31 years ago, and now he yeah. works full time in their ministry with their music and with their baby rescue ministry. And he has albums, ladies and gentlemen. Three albums out. And he's coming singles. to Pawtucket. He's coming to Pawtucket and Johnson, I think, in the summer. So there's a real why we're so interested in Hope of Life is because there's a Rhode Island, New England connection right. uh, to this Guatemala mission, which I think is like this mission has been in our backyard for all these years, and we have never heard of it. And 
He's, he also, Carlos also said, you know, I think you asked the question, why haven't we heard of it? Or somebody did. Somebody did. And it's big, not, not necessarily big, but a lot, of, not, a lot of other states are involved, but not Rhode Island for, right. for whatever reason. Not New England, he said. It's very New hard England. to get missionaries to come, from, people to come on mission trips from New England, but yeah. we're going to change that. Yeah. yeah. We're going to change it. We're going to invite you to go. We're going to have another trip in August. You want to go. Yeah. Um, this is another picture of me and a boy. That, this that's was the great. top of the mountain village. And so they dress nice. You know, they dress like normal student, normal kids, but it's just the the area that they live is so barren, so disconnected from yeah. civilization. Yeah, he's actually doesn't look as dirty as a lot of them did, though. And then we have this moment here. We, oh, were, in yeah. the, we were in the chapel. They have a church uh, way up on the hill. We even had to go higher up to the mountain yeah. top to go to this little Pentecostal chapel. And there we are praying and, and everything. And then, and then I have this picture of myself, which I thought this pretty much sums up my trip there. Um, <laughs> I was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's a towel. That's not, that's not a Muslim. It's Muslim, Tim. That's not a Muslim hat. No. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I went to Guatemala on a Christian mission and I came back a Muslim. <laughs> no, uh, no. If you're not watching on video, you are missing me with my towel head. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I only meant, I only show this video because right behind me on the facility oh, yeah. at Hope of Life is the most gorgeous resort like pool lounge area sure and you the first day we get there we wake up to this place and it is gorgeous and i i'm starting to send pictures back to my wife and she's like are you on a mission trip or are you on a vacation <laughs> yeah and uh, because what carlos's strategy is his brilliant strategy yeah. is let me create a westernized resort looking place that people can spend their evenings at yeah and then they go and work for me right for free uh on during the day and so if you're an American and if you want to go to Guatemala and, and do this hope of life trip, um, my promise to you is you will not have to rough it. You will work hard. Oh, yeah. You will be exhausted. And we all were on several oh, days. Yeah. We were exhausted. Yeah. But um, you come back, you take a dip in the pool. We played some water volleyball. We had a great time. I think we beat Josh about every game. I think, we no, that's, I think every, that's time. every yeah. game we won. Like yes. Three and one. Yes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we would do the volleyball. But then we would just kind of like hang out at the pool. There's a coffee shop. Totally westernized coffee shop with frappuccinos and cappuccinos. Birthday cakes. Birthday cakes. And then they had the eating area, this like open area eating area, which was just gorgeous uh, with great food. So you get uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner provided by the resort. Uh, all your all that you pay pays for all of this. And then you go and what you're basically doing is I will stay at your resort and I will pay to work for you. And that's that's his that's his yeah. MO, that's his strategy. And he says you can't do business better than that. Well, really? That's, I that's know. That's as good as it to, gets, yeah. Yeah, when you get people from another country to come pay you to work for you. <laughs> to work. And he's and he's blunt about it too, which oh, is yeah. nice. And so, you know, you don't feel bad about that because your money is going into his mission and his mission is expansive. Um yeah. He uh, has vision to start 1,000 churches in one year. One year. He's, he's amping up for that. I think they've already started 900 churches wow. in Guatemala, ch yeah. uh, transformed, I don't know how many hundreds of villages. And so what happens is he goes into the villages, these destitute, poverty-stricken villages, and he does two things. He establishes a church and a school. A church and a school. Same thing that Compassion International does. They put mm -hmm. a church and a school. So wherever you have... Those two things, spiritual life and education, there's the hope for alleviation of poverty. And so as a church, we believe this as, as, as well. You know, uh, education in America, though we have long forsaken this, is rooted in the Judeo-Christian ethic that we need to inform the next generation about their ABCs, 123s, and how to do life so that they can flourish in God's good creation. Right. Well, they do that there. They're starting schools and they're starting churches and they're transforming them one village at a time. And your, your money that you pay, the fee that you go, that you pay to Hope of Life to go to, go there, is going to support future schools and missions and schools yeah. and churches. You remember those statistics he showed on the last day we were there? Uh, when he showed the video, he showed how many like, what, how many wells, how many churches, wells, yeah. churches, and and baby rescues. Yeah. And it was like nine thousand babies. It was, yeah. Like no, yeah, it was something insane. It was insane. <clears throat> Unbelievable. So we have a video, and, it, and this is a special video. It's the Guatemala recap video. The, I had to awaken my um, video skills. From you did it on the fly. Didn't I did you? this on the fly. Did this yesterday wow. in my office, and uh, so here's. I want to play this for the podcast uh, watchers, the YouTube and Facebook Live watchers. Here's their Guatemala recap from my iPhone. Here you go.
What are we doing here? We are handing out and distributing food in a, in a transformed school, transformed village in Guatemala. What's over here on the side to us? This is our preschool that we're helping hand out school supplies and we're handing out food. Why are we handing out food? Because we're handing out medicine and the medicine food is used to get them to come here so that they will take the medicine, which is a really cool thing. And who built the school? Uh, there was actually a church that came in to an untransformed village and they built the school, they built better homes, and, uh, and they took ownership of this village. Here we go. Thank you so much. And who is this man right here helping this us? This is Juan Carlos. He is our bodyguard. He is our translator. <laughs> the he best is... translator in Guatemala. This is good. He's put up with us all week. We've been on. One more. We'll take this. One more food. Thank you so much. Ah, honey, how are you? Hey. Is that mine? Is that mine? Is that mine? No, no. Thank you. This is Chris McEwen reporting live for the deep end. In Guatemala. <laughs> So we're in a remote village right now with a population of about 1,600 people spread out. And they have two small classrooms that go up to about sixth grade. And after that, most of them won't have any more education. And they cram uh, a lot of children just into one small location. But right now, they're outside playing happy with all the people that we brought from Waters Church. It's amazing to see. got saved here and this is now a church and it changed I, the direction of the whole village. We're hoping in just a moment that we'll be able to speak with that pastor. It's amazing. I'm the pastor of this church, Waters Church. And we're praying for your continued success here. Partners in the gospel.
So that was that was a summary. Quick recap. Wow. That's awesome. My tear, I, I well up a little I bit when a little I see yeah. those moments. It was just such a powerful experience, and you got to do it. Um, we are going to go back. If you are at Waters Church, we are going to go back. And even if you do not belong to Waters Church, the opportunity is open for you to come with us. So, uh, But you got to go in the name of Waters Church. Yeah. Um, August, we're going to schedule another trip, right, Chris? We were, we're going to announce it this weekend. Hopefully, we'll have a meeting within the next couple of weeks to gauge the interest. And uh, we didn't really talk about it, but we might have to limit it. To you know, thirty people. I think that was a good size. Yeah, thirty or forty. I think that the church before us came. Uh, by the way, just want to shout out to a fellow church, a sister church, not related to us uh, denominationally or anything, but Christ Community Church in Taunton, who yeah. was there the week before we were there, and they are the church from America that went down and built the church where the former brothel owner got yeah. saved. That was so amazing. So he had four brothels in Guatemala, three yeah. in Guatemala City, and one in the remote area where we were, and he got saved and turned all of his brothels into churches. Amazing. How amazing wow. is that? And then there was a picture of him up on the wall, I remember he has five beautiful daughters now. Right. So this guy who used to sell women into slavery oh, so good. is now a, a, a leader of a church in Guatemala and yeah. has got five daughters helping him in the ministry of the yeah. word. So only crazy. the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, so true. If you if that doesn't send shivers down your spine, yeah. check your pulse. Because yeah. the story that you hear, that what you see, it's like, you know, in America, we are so inculcated from need. And a lot of Christians don't get this. Pay attention. We are so inculcated from need. In other words, there's no needs. You could go to the fridge right now, get clean, cold drinking water, and have no issues with it. Right. Most of the world's not like that. And so we're so inculcated from need that we don't need miracles. We don't need these things that we see in the Bible. And so this is why a lot of Christians and a lot of people are skeptical of the Bible because of all these miracles. Those miracles were because of extreme need. Yeah. Like it's better, you, you ask yourself, do you want to need a miracle or do you want to just live a good life that doesn't need miracles? I mean, I know miracles are cool and supernatural. They can, they can kind of inspire faith, although you don't see it really inspire long-term long faith ever. But like living without need is actually the greatest blessing that God can give you when his creation works properly and you have your needs met and then you glorify him in thankfulness. But mm, when you go to these good. third world areas, there's so much need. That's yeah. where the miracles start so happening. So true. That's where you see brothel owners become pastors and elders of churches. Yeah. That's where you see the the lame get up and walk yeah. as a result of prayer and right. anointing of oil. That's where you see it. So... American Christians, again, we live in the bubble. We live in the bubble. You've got to go. If you've never been on a mission trip, you've got to go. If you have been on a mission trip, you can come. Please, we need help. And this this past trip, we went basically to these villages, handed out candy. Sure. Yeah. And, and we handed and out candy. the food. Yeah. And we did the system that was already in place. But now, Waters Church, we are going to own a village hopefully very yeah. soon we're gonna oh, and that awesome. means we're gonna be sending down carpenters and masons and builders to go and actually build the church yeah you know the building and the houses yeah. and the yeah. and i can see you doing some masonry work <laughs> <laughs> maybe not me but in the name of what is church yeah. so i mean i i just can't get over what a great week it was and it could change your life and um here's something moms and dads you know little secret you got that teenager 17 and you can just see them you can see them slipping away i can see you're just feeling it yeah. they're slipping away you're gonna lose them to the world you pay eighteen hundred dollars somewhere around there right yeah it's somewhere around there and you get them on this trip and we will take care of them and they will come back yeah and i believe they will be changed there were two teens that went on this one that came back transformed yeah give it yeah. to them as a birthday present give it to them as a graduation present yeah. i don't know trick them into going <laughs> whatever <laughs> so it takes on the way to the on the way to driving them to our church before <laughs> the church yeah you're going on a great resort trip i purchased for you and it just uh, dropped them off with us <laughs> Let us we purchase you spring break and then they get the guatemala <laughs> we'll put them to work <laughs> i mean really because this could change that kid's life and they will come back and they will be so thankful to be an american yeah. but they hopefully will be so touched by the power of the gospel that you will you will have a different kid um and even if you're not a teenager or you're just an adult anybody and everybody who can come we want you to go yeah anything else guys anything else around that yeah i mean so much happened in that week it's hard to sum it all up but i think the best is what you said just come and experience it for yourself yeah yeah su supernatural. supernatural that's all i can say just with some of the things that you mentioned there's so much more i mean we went to a landfill one day too oh that, oh, that was man, powerful that was just powerful. i mean just it was 
It was awful. Yeah. Yeah. We, we fed them at this landfill yeah. where they hope life goes down there three times a week and they make that those three meals pretty much last an entire week. Yeah. yeah. People living in a landfill. Living. In living. A, it's a dump. That's I not, mean, a, I didn't not even exaggerate. a landfill. Yeah. You go in, it's a dump and yeah. there are tents with shacks. Yeah. Right. And they live there. Children. And they have to scrape all day. They scrape up uh, 100, 100 pounds of cardboard, cardboard plastic room for like dollars. A couple dollars. And then we went. So the good news, though, yeah, I was gonna is say. that you were there last year. There was almost double. Twice as many people. Yeah, double the amount of people because they need it. Right. And so the transformation is happening. Yes. Yeah. Because this time it. you went just as eight months later and half the number come to yeah. get the food, which means... That the other half has put their life together and they're starting to supply their it's own working. needs and work and yeah. go to school and learn. So the gospel is taking root. Yeah. And Carlos Vargas, I, I told our group, I said, this guy is a modern day um, Jim Elliott, yeah. uh, you know, modern day uh, William Carey, modern day Hudson Taylor. These people who went to these nations with no nothing, with with darkness in the nation and have started and, and initiated light coming to that. nation. Yeah. So. If he even gives a piece of that testimony that he gave to us here at our church, yeah. people will be changed. Yeah, we're going to hear his testimony at Water Church. If you come to Water Church, you got you got a treat to look forward to. We're going to get him in, and you're going to hear his story because it was life changing. Yeah. Anyway, all this to say, this is the power of the gospel, and that's why we got to talk about what we're going to talk about in Revelation chapter ten. So let's go to the Book of Revelation. All right, shifting gears for the podcast, and stay with us because we're going to talk about Revelation chapter 10, and it really does piggyback off of what we just talked about in Guatemala because, again, it's the gospel that changes the nations. Right. And Revelation chapter 10, when we get to Revelation 10, it's the reminder. You know, a lot of, a lot of times people come to the book of Revelation with the wrong agenda. And I even had a conversation with this with somebody about this at our from our group from our church group in in uh, Guatemala. Oh yeah, um, Brian, who okay. uh, has yet to watch the Deep End podcast. By How the way. dare he? How dare he? But be watching now, <laughs> Brian. Was, we were getting into a discussion about some guy's interpretation of Revelation he found on YouTube, and I said, "Aren't you listening to the Deep End?" And he mm-hmm. said, "I didn't even know what was happening." I said, "Okay, well, oh. you got to start listening." Um, because, as we said in the very first week of our talk about Revelation, people, and I'm talking about Christians now, and even non-Christians, go to the book of Revelation to find what actually isn't there. Because they have been taught, because they've been told, because they have this preconceived notion of what Revelation is about. Revelation is about the last seven years of earth. Revelation is about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Revelation is about the Antichrist. Revelation is about what's going to happen, judgments that are going to happen to the world because they reject God. Well, those are some of the aspects that happen in Revelation, but they are not what Revelation is all about. The very first verse of the book of Revelation tells us what Revelation is all about. And the very first verse of the book of Revelation says, the revelation, Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom God gave to show his servants what must soon take place. Revelation is about what the rest of the Bible is about. Revelation is about Jesus. And so if you go to the book of Revelation and you do not know Jesus better, you are reading it wrong. Mm. If you walk away from your study, if we walk away from the deep end study in the book of Revelation and you do not know what Jesus is doing, what he's up to, what the purposes of God are through Christ Jesus and his gospel, you have read, you have listened to me wrongly or I haven't explained it clearly. The book of Revelation is about Jesus. Now, quick summary, quick reminder is that there are four views historically of the book of Revelation, four interpretation views. The preterist view, pre-AD 70. Everything in the book of Revelation happens pre-AD 70. The historicist view, which describes the the church age from the resurrection of Jesus to the second coming of Jesus. That's the historicist view. Mm. The futurist view, which is the classic Pentecostal Baptist view, which is that Revelation is the last seven years of human history. And then the spiritual view, which is it's the gospel in symbols. It's all word pictures to kind of just give the church an idea of what God is doing in the world. And so when we get into Revelation chapter 10, we're going to look at these views. Uh, We don't have a lot to talk about in Revelation 10, but we're going to talk about three things in Revelation chapter 10. The little scroll, the oath of the angel, and the kingdom. So if we can scroll over here to the whiteboard, we'll see there's going to be a uh, picture of an angel who is standing half on land, half on the sea, and he's got a little scroll in his hand. 
And mm-hmm. so we're going to talk about that scroll uh, here in the first couple of verses in Revelation chapter 10. So reading from Revelation chapter 10, here's what it says. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. Now notice what he said. Now notice what it says in verse two. He had a little scroll open in his hand. Just remember that. He had a little scroll open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. So I don't know if we can get that picture on the screen here. Uh, if you look on the screen now, on the bottom left, second in from the left, that's the picture that we're looking at. It's hard to see from distance for me anyway. If you can see it, I hope you can. But it's just an image to just show you here. We've got the rainbow around his head. We've got his left foot on the land, right foot on the sea. And there's a scroll that he's holding up, a little scroll. Yeah. Okay, what is this? Again, this is a picture. This is a picture. Now, the historicist, the person who sees it from the resurrection of Jesus to the second coming of Jesus, says that we are between the sixth and seventh trumpet judgments. We are between the sixth and seventh trumpet judgments in Revelation. Now, backing up, the historicist said, that the first six trumpet judgments are the judgments of God upon the Roman Empire in successive six successive stages, leading to the sixth judgment, which is the fall of Constantinople, the, the last vestige of the historic Roman Empire, in 1453. Why do I mention that? Because 1453, uh, Rome falls, and then something amazing happens for human history. And people don't understand (laughs) just how important 1400s, 1500s are for human history. I say this without exaggeration, that we are sitting here with modern technology, teaching you the Bible through video and through the internet because of what happened in the 1400s and 1500s. And what happened in the 1400s and 1500s? The Bible became available to the masses. Great. Mm -hmm. Printing press. The printing press was invented. Uh, Johann Gutenberg invents the printing press for one purpose. What's the purpose? The The Bible. Bible. He wants people to know what God has said. So this is a really cool take that the historicists have, which is that the angel here standing on the sea and the land is Jesus, and he's holding the Bible, which is open now to the nations. Oh, that's good. Historically, the sea refers to the nations and in the Bible, and the land historically refers to Israel. So Jesus is Lord over both the Israel and the nations, and he has got the scroll, and he is opening it for the nations to hear. Hmm. So in the 1400s, the, the printing press is invented, and then something else happens shortly after that in the 1500s. It starts with a little German monk named Martin Luther. Oh, yeah. Not Martin Luther King. He comes much later. Yeah. <laughs> but in the 1400s, uh, 1500s, there was a little... A German monk who could not get over his sin, guilt all the time, uh, could not worship God rightly, felt the weight of his sin every single day, went to his confessor, check this out, went to his confessor so many times, his confessor begged him to stop coming. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he started to teach through the book of Romans, and he had an epiphany. And he read Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, where it says that there is a righteousness revealed from heaven that is not of works. It's the righteousness that God offers to the world, that, that all men are sinners, and there is a righteousness that is available to us through Jesus Christ, and it comes to us through the gospel and the book of Romans and all this stuff unpacks that for us. And this little guy, this little German monk named Martin Luther, suddenly finds Christ. He finds a righteousness that he cannot produce in himself, a righteousness that is a gift of God given to those who put their faith in Christ Jesus, and the Reformation of the church, we call it the Protestant Reformation, is born. Uh, The papal authority that had been abusing its power, and even the Catholic Church admits this to this day, so Catholics, calm down, calm down, (laughs) not picking on you, because even your current pope said that what Martin Luther did for the Catholic Church was a necessary event, Yeah, even though they tried to kill him for it. (laughs) But anyway... This is the Protestant Reformation. This is why we are not doing this and genuflecting in our churches. This is why we can wear jeans on the stage. This Excellent. is why, <laughs> you know, we don't re-crucify Christ at the Mass every single time yeah. we gather on the weekend, right? So there are now two main branches of Christianity, Protestant and Catholic. Protestant and Catholic. By the way, just letting you know, Catholic friends who put their faith in Jesus and believe that you are saved by grace through faith in Him, 
We are brothers. We are not enemies. We are partners. We worship the same Jesus. We yeah. worship the same Father. We believe in the same Holy Spirit. We just believe differently about how salvation comes to the human heart. Right. And we believe yeah. also very differently about the role of the church in that salvation. Yeah. Catholics believe that the church is in charge of saving you, or you have to be in the church and saved through the church. Protestants believe that you are saved through faith, through grace, but by faith through by grace through faith, so that you don't work for it, and no man applies it to you. It is the sovereign work of God's Holy Spirit upon your heart, and you receive by grace the gift of the Holy Spirit and the change and the transformation that only Jesus can bring. Yeah. Amen. I'm Protestant, okay? I'm a Protestant pastor. I can get married. Hallelujah. I have babies, and I uh, love my wife, and all those kind of things. Uh, two main branches of Christianity, but there was severe corruption. And you have to be, I mean, even if you're Catholic, you have to agree with this. There was severe corruption in the 1500s. They were selling indulgences, little payments to the church to get your... Uh, dead friends and relatives out of purgatory. Yep. Uh, they would sell these indulgences and and, uh, and that would get your friends into heaven and then they would take that money and they would use it to build big structures. St. Peter's Basilica, still standing to this day in Rome, was built on the sale of indulgences from the 1500s, believe it or not. Wow. <laughs> Many of the great skyscraper churches of the you know, Middle Ages were built on the sale of indulgences. And mm. this was a corruption, and Martin Luther saw the corruption. He also saw that the church was doing something terrible with the Word of God. And here's what they were doing. Here's what they were doing. They were withholding it. Mm. They were keeping it from the common man. They were saying, nope, there's no Bible. They, they, most churches didn't even have a Bible. Really, it was wow. the it was the bishop of the area that had the Bible, and it was very very uh, under wraps, kept under control. And the reason why is because if you can manipulate the Bible, you can yeah. manipulate the masses. That's why it was in Latin, right? I mean, it was in Latin. It wasn't in the language of the people. And right. so a couple other things happened in the 1500s. Um, Wycliffe translates the Bible. Uh, Tyndale translates the Bible, and uh, it, Martin Luther will translate the Bible into German and other languages to get the Word of God into the hearts of people, yeah. the common people. And that was the great heart and the great contribution of the Reformation. So the historicist has a great point here. This is the 1500s. The Roman Empire has collapsed, and now God is going to open up the, the scroll, the little scroll, the Bible for the nations. And so Jesus is revealing to himself who God is and what God, revealing to the nations who God is and what he wants us to know. That's the historicist view here. And I think it's a very powerful view of Revelation chapter. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I might change my view now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the preterist view is basically Jesus is, again, the angel. The angel is Jesus, and the scroll is the rest of Revelation or the rest of the book of Revelation. The futurist sees the angel as Christ, and this is just an interlude section somewhere between a halfway section of the Great Tribulation, the first three and a half years and the second three and a half years. And the spiritualist says Christ holds this book. It's the, it's the book that nobody can really know what it says, even though it's open. It doesn't make any sense that that's their interpretation. Um, <laughs> but you know, they, I, I think the other interpretations, honestly, are very weak. I think there is a great case to be made here. As I read through and study through the book of Revelation, I'm falling more on the side of this is, this is the unpacking of human history until Christ comes. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so I, I just want to emphasize this because you need to know, if you're a Catholic, you need to know what makes us different than you. Or if you're a Protestant, what makes you different than a Catholic? And really what it comes down to is we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We believe that every human being who comes to God by faith in Christ Jesus is now a holy priest, a saint. The saints are not the dead people on the stained glass windows. They are saints too, but so are those who put their faith in Christ and are living and breathing and walking on the earth today. Right. Yep. Um, these church traditions, these this this overabundance of relying on the traditions of man. You know, Jesus had a lot to say about that too in his day with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he said to them, "You guys, you guys ignore the commandments of God." for mm. the sake of your traditions. Right. Mm. And there are a lot of Christians listening or watching right now, you do the exact same thing. Sure. And you could be Protestant, you could be Catholic. 
You just let tradition be your religion, and tradition is not religion, and it's not faith. Tradition is just ritual. A tradition is just something that you repeat by nature, by habit, and that is not what God wants from you. He wants a personal, living relationship with yeah. you. Yeah. You know, I mean, imagine, you know, you guys, you have this. You're not, you guys aren't married, but imagine, you know, you have a girlfriend or you have a significant other, and you just say, "I am going to meet with you every Sunday at 10 a.m. for an hour, <laughs> uh, possibly on Wednesday night, um, and then if I need something, I'll." Call out to you. Yeah. Yes. You would foolish. not be married for long. No, no. Or have a girlfriend for long. And yeah. yet we think that's what God wants from us. That's no. what God's happened. No, God wants to know you. Jesus yeah. came and dwelt among us to let us know what God is like. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's my call. That's why I'm here. I want to show you what he's like so that you can have a relationship with, yeah. with him. I had a Facebook message today that said, What what are we doing today at Water Church for first Wednesday? I, I yeah. said, ironically, we have First Wednesday tonight, so yeah, come to that. Don't miss First Wednesday tonight, no. too, yeah. if you are a Waters Church person. This one's going to be one that you will not forget. We are going to do something very special. We are going to make something really cool happen. You're going to want to be there. I don't care. If you've never been to First Wednesday, you got to come to this one. You're yeah, not going to want to miss for it. it. But thank you. But no it. ashes on your head. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it just happens. If you want to practice Lent, I don't care. Sure. It's fine. It's a very spiritual practice. Fasting is good. I'm not going to disparage people for doing things that draw them closer to God. Do, practices that draw you closer to God are important. Like, you, there should be some rituals. Yeah, we fast. We fast, but we also we also believe you should have personal quiet time with God every day. We, we believe you should come to worship at Waters Church if you're a part of our church or whatever Protestant church you go to. We believe that you should confess your sins. We, should, we believe that you should pray regularly. These things are good, yeah. and they help sustain the relationship, but ultimately, don't make the ritual the religion. Right. Don't right. make the ritual... The thing, yeah. like, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I won't save you. What God wants to do, and we're seeing it here in Revelation chapter 10, is He wants you to know Him. The scroll is open. The Bible has gone out to the nations. How? Through the Protestant Reformation. Mm. And we are standing, and so the Protestant Reformation gives birth to many of the modern te technological advances that we are still experiencing today. Because when men, when mankind can know God, he can live as God wants him to live and do what God told Adam and Eve to do in the beginning, which is rule and subdue the earth and be fruitful and multiply and use God's good creation rightly for advancement. The Bible opens in a garden and ends with a city. You don't get from a garden to a city without technological, industrial uh, development advancement. So these are, and I, and I say this without hesitation, you are watching me through video, you are listening to me through technology, through, because of, I believe, the dissemination of the word of God to the nations. Yeah. You think about it, right? Yeah. Because the, the Protestant Reformation starts in Germany, but it spreads to England, which spreads to America in the 1700s and 1800s and establishes the roots of a free um, society, which America is, democracy, um, limited government. These are biblical ideas. People don't get that. Yeah. How much the Bible influenced the founders. Uh, Benjamin Franklin had no personal relationship with Christ, as far as I know, but had tr profound respect right. for the Christian faith, and the Bible. Uh, Abraham Lincoln read the Bible every day, uh, said that the Bible was uh, the greatest revelation known to mankind. Um, the things that we enjoy today, friends, is because the Bible has been made known. And that is what God is trying to do. That's why you listen to the deep, and that's why we do what we do. We want you to know what God says. Because if anywhere you have the Bible withheld from people, you yeah. have cults. Yeah, you have leaders who are filled with pride and arrogance and want to control and manipulate people. Dictators. That great movie, The Book of Eli, right? Have you oh seen yeah, that movie? yeah, yeah. Yep. What's, Denzel. Yeah. What's the guy who the like the mob boss? What's he going? What's he the after? Yeah. What was that Gary? He knows he can control Gary the Oldman, people. Yeah. Gary Oldman, or, or yeah, is it Gary Oldman? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the commissioner from the Batman Begins saga. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, he, he said something like, "If anybody, if I get that book, I can control everything." Everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is historically accurate. Yeah. Uh, if you can if you can withhold the scriptures from the common man, you can control them and manipulate them because you can say, I speak for God, I have his revelation, right. and you need to listen to me. Yeah. But the beauty of the Protestant Reformation, the beauty of Martin Luther and John Wycliffe and William Tyndale and others who literally gave their blood, sweat, and tears to get the Bible into people's hearts and hands, um, we owe them a debt of gratitude. And their work in initiated a a 
complete cultural transformation that is still taking action in the world to this day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Powerful. Yeah, you know, and the interesting thing too is this. Jesus, and you say 1,500 years, like 1,500. Why did, why did it wait for 1,500 years? Because God gives his people time to repent. Those people don't understand that. Yeah. God was giving the Roman, the Holy Roman Empire, time to repent, and they didn't. They still abused their power in the 1500s. And you think about that. Now, here's a cool, here's a cool parallel. Jesus shows up in Israel 1,500 years after their beginning. Oh, wow. And the Bible is made known to the masses 1,500 years after Christianity's beginning. That's just a pretty cool parallel. Yeah. That's a pretty cool parallel. Yeah. All right, going on. Verse 3 of Revelation 10. He called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, listen, this is very strange. Seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Okay, wait a second. Does God want us to know or God not want us to know? Okay, wait. He's not talking about the contents of the scroll here in verse 3. He's talking about the thunders. Now, the historicists, if we continue to piggyback off of what we just talked about in the historicists, after the Reformation, all was not, all was not well. Like, right. It wasn't a peaceful thing for the Bible to get out to the masses. The priests wanted to stop it. The bishops wanted to stop it. The pope wanted to stop it. Wow. Um, they were fearing the loss of control. And so there was great death. There was great civil unrest. There was, there was um, fighting and killings and martyrs galore during the Reformation. And by the way, not just Catholics killing the Protestants. The Protestants killing the Protestants. Yeah. The Protestants decided, oh, you believe in adult baptism? I'm going to kill you. I mean, it was so stupid. Wow. This, is, this is the black, the black mark histories of, our, of the church. Sure. Sadly, in the, in the Middle Ages, we killed each other because we had a theological disagreement. Wow. And so, you know, you had um, the Anabaptists were persecuting the Reformed guys, and the Reformed guys were persecuting the, you know, the other guy. I mean, it's just nonsense. So the seven thunders, the historicist says the seven thunders were the seven kind of cultural revolutions that had to take place, culminating in the uh, French Revolution, mm. uh, the, the French Revolution being the seventh. And so the reason why they say Jesus or the angel says don't write that down is because he's he's saying uh, don't pay attention to the debates. Oh. The debates and the and the ragings of man does not matter. What matters is the results, and that is the dissemination of the word of God. Okay, and I think that's a pretty cool. Yeah, that is really makes sense now. So uh, important truth communicated here too is whatever the thunders are. For whatever reason, God says, don't write it down. Don't communicate that. And I was thinking about this is a very important point for Christians to capture. There are some things that God does not want us to know. Hmm. I know we hate hearing that. Yeah. Because we want to know. Yeah. We deserve to know. <laughs> well, why? Based on what? <laughs> uh, some things God says, nope, that's my secret. Yeah. And there are lots of things like that. And we've got to learn how to embrace that because we are human. We are finite. The Jews had a great phrase. It's from the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 29, 29, listen to this verse. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, mm. but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do the words of this law. The secret things belong to God, but the things that are revealed belong to us. Deuteronomy yeah. 29, 29. That's a powerful text. Yeah. And it's something that Christians today, we got to learn how to embrace this. What's in the Bible? That's what God wants you to know. What's not in the Bible? Theologically speaking, I'm talking about now. That's not what God wants you to know. Like there, there are things that we want God to tell us, and He says, "Nope, that's secret knowledge. That's okay. not for you." And actually, brings some freedom to you know everybody wants to pick apart every little thing about the Bible. I but know that can be freeing, right? It there. can be freeing. Yeah, it's it's part of trusting. It all comes down to: Will I trust God with what He wants me to know? Yeah, right. and then will I trust God with what He doesn't want me to know? Yeah, right. I mean, there's, tell, me, tell me, you who are listening, who among us does not have questions about the faith? Sure. You guys have doubts. You guys have questions. It's not wrong yeah. to doubt. Yeah, we're human. <clears throat> I have those moments where I'm like, man, do I really believe this? <laughs> like, right. you ever, if you don't have those moments where you suddenly wake up and you say, wait, I really believe that I had to be saved by a Jew like, who died on a cross 2,000 years ago? Like, really? Yeah. You know, you should have those moments because it makes your faith more real. Like, yeah. you're not just pie in the sky faithing it. You're actually examining it and thinking about it and ruminating about it and stretching your yeah. blind faith. I had a, I heard a great analysis about it before, uh, where someone said, uh, "Yeah, I might, I might uh, question 
I might question God on why, why would you allow all these people to go to hell? He said, but in the same breath, I sit there and I say, how could you give up your son for people that hated you, for your yeah. enemies? Amen. He's like, because I can't comprehend that in my you head either. can't comprehend that. Yeah. No, no, that's right. And the cross is, answers everything, in my opinion. The cross answers every doubt. And it stands in human history. It is not a hypothesized event. It is not a mystical event that took place in the heavens. It took place on this earth. Right. You can go to the place where they think it happened today, and you can see it, and you can see the possible sites where he was raised to life, and they have yet to find any grave of Jesus. This happened. And it's historic, and it answers a lot of the doubts. Yeah. You got to go back to the cross. Anyway, the angelic oath. So let's get to verse 5. Here's what it says. Verse 5 of chapter 10. And the angel, whom I saw standing on the sea and the land, raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heaven, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay. No more delay for what? Look at this. But that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel. So here we go. We're prepping for the seventh trumpet. The mystery of God, keyword mystery, the mystery of God would be revealed or would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Okay, so that phrase there, very important. The mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. So now, what is he talking about? Well, the thing that the servants uh, of God, the prophets of the Old Testament, kept foretelling are two things. Those two things are, and they fall very nicely in the historicist and preterist views of Revelation. Those two things are, number one, the prophets routinely predicted that the whole earth would know the Lord. The knowledge of God would spread through the whole earth. Two verses of scripture about that. Isaiah 11, verse 9. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord... Mm. As the waters cover the sea, notice that he mentions the earth and the sea. What is the angel standing on? Earth and sea. The earth and the sea. Yeah. That's Isaiah eleven nine. Habakkuk two fourteen. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Okay. Wow. It's totally in line yeah. with Revelation ten, and so according to the historicists, is the revelation of. Uh, I'm sorry, the dissemination of the Bible in 1500 AD leads to the world knowing the Lord. Right. <coughs> so the Bible is spread and translated now in over 2,000 languages. You think about that. Yeah. It was one language 600 years ago. How wow. crazy is that? It was one language. It's 2,000 languages and every day another language Added. because there's still about, I don't know, I think uh, anthropologists say there's still about 500 languages left somewhere around there. Let's get going. And that's what we got to do, right? Yeah. We got to be part of fulfilling the prophet's prophecies. And uh, so anyway, that's their view. Now, the preterists also have an interesting view because it's the second thing yeah. that this could be referring to, the mystery that the prophets foretold. So the prophets foretold that the whole earth would know the Lord or be filled with the knowledge of the, of, of the Lord. That happened through the dissemination of the Bible. But the second thing that the prophets very often talked about, the mystery was that there would be a people of God from both Jew and Gentile. Wow. This is the mystery that Paul often writes about. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3 says, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. Well, what is that mystery? Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, with who? With Israel, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Mm. And so the preterists remember pre-AD 70. In AD 70, Jerusalem falls. So guess what? The cultic, sim- the cultic system of Israel's sacrifices, temple worship, uh, priestly duties, all that stuff, gone, eliminated. And still to this day, gone. Yeah. Elim- Israel does not sacrifice animals right now. Okay. They haven't sacrificed animals since AD 70, since yeah. their temple was destroyed by the Romans, right? But what has happened since AD 70? The Gentiles have come into the covenant promises of God. Yeah. yeah. And that Thank was God. also predicted by God's servants, the prophets. Wow. So the preterists and historicists, again, they have these very powerful arguments to be made here about Revelation and what it really is about. It is about the fact that in spite of the judgments, in spite of the civil wars, in spite of the problems that will 
result because the gospel will divide men from men and mm. family member from family member. In spite of all those problems, Jesus is going to make the nations know him. He's going he's gonna to bring the gospel to the f- uh, far reaches of the earth, and we as his church are part of making that happen, such as going to Guatemala. Yeah, yeah. such so as preaching every weekend here at Water Church and, mm. and doing the deep end. So let's talk about the bittersweet squirrel, and then we're done. Uh, verse 8. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who was standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel, and I told him to give me the little scroll, and he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, mm. but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And as I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and I ate it, it was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Okay, this is really cool. Basically, they all agree, all of the four views agree that this is John internalizing the word of God. Okay. Yeah. Take the word of God and internalize it. Now think about this, <clears throat> friends. This is very important. You've got to listen. Jesus himself referred often to God's word as food. Mm-hmm. comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. He quotes in the wilderness, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but right. on every word that every comes word from, that the, comes mouth from the mouth of God. Right? Uh, he says in John chapter 4, to the woman at the well, he says, "My uh, to the disciples actually, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Mm-hmm. In John chapter 6, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. He says, do not strive for bread that does not last, but strive for the bread that my Father will give you from him. What's he talking about? He's talking about himself. The word of God is our food. Yeah. So here in Revelation chapter eight, uh, chapter 10, John, who wrote the Gospel of John, is now talking about the fact that the angel instructs him to eat the word. And what, what John is actually doing is he's acting like the church. He is a picture of the church receiving the word through the work of the Reformation where the Bible is disseminated to the nations. He receives it, and here's what happens. When you receive God's word, two things happen. Number one, it tastes great. You enjoy it as it goes in. The word comes in, and suddenly it's like your life is sweeter. Why? Because you know who God is. Mm. You know who Jesus is. You know what he's done for you. It changes your perspective. It changes how you live. It changes how you see the world. It changes everything. It's awesome. But then it gets done inside you, <laughs> and it starts to get bitter. Challenges yeah. you. That's Challenges the convicting you. part. Yeah. Yeah. It, it starts to upset the apple cart of yeah. life. And then you're like, oh, no, God wasn't going to change that. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I, I liked that little sin. That was my pet sin. And God's like, no, it's not going to be part of your life anymore. And I'm yeah. going to rip that out of you, and my word is going to have an effect on you. And so there is a bittersweet nature to the gospel. That's Secondly. Good. And what the, uh, what the preterists believe, this is an important thing too, is the preterists said, look, the church is going, to, the Gentiles are going to feed on God's word. It's going to go in and they're going to be, they're going to enjoy it going in. But once it gets into their spirit, it's going to be bitter because it's going to divide them from people that they love and people mm-hmm. that they know. And how many Christians, that's exactly the same testimony that oh, you yeah. have. You know, God, Jesus has changed your life, but then the bitterness of my former friends don't understand me. My family members don't yeah. understand me. Yeah. My mom doesn't understand me. My, yeah. my kids don't understand me. My spouse, oh, and there's lots of Christians. You got saved after getting married, and now you're saved. Your spouse isn't saved, and it's just a struggle. It's mm. a fight, and I, I, I feel for you because I know how hard it is to be married as Christians, never mind when one loves the Lord and the other wants nothing to do with mm. him. And and think about it, when Christ is the most precious thing in your life and your spouse doesn't want anything to do with that's that's painful. Yeah. That's yeah. bittersweet. Like it's bittersweet to just say, I love the Lord, but he has really strained a lot of my relationships. <laughs> and that's, you know, the unfortunate nature of being with Christ. He said, if you love your mother, father, bro- brother, sister, children more than me, you are not worthy of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people say, how could Jesus believe? Uh, Jesus never said he was God. Listen, he would have never said something like that if he didn't believe he was God. Right. Right. If Jesus is God, he has every right to say no one on this earth can come between you and me. Yeah. If he's not God, he has no right to say that. Right. But because he is God, he has every right to say, I'm before I come before your mom. I come before your children. I come before your spouse. I come before your most intimate, natural relationship. I come before that. Why? Because I'm the one who made you. Yeah. Right. I'm the one who gave my life for you. 
And so there's the bitter sweet nature of being part of the kingdom. Is that we're gonna we're gonna eat on God's word? It's gonna upset our lives. It's gonna upset our social lives. It's gonna upset our financial lives. Lives for good. It's gonna upset every part of our lives in many respects. But it ultimately will bring about the knowledge of the glory of God. And that's why he says you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. In other words, um, the impact of the person's life who eats on the word of God is only magnified to the extent that they let the word of God do that bitter work in their spirit. Mm. Like a lot of people say, I want to be more <laughs> effective for God. Okay, get ready because then he's going to he's going to really radically change your life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Careful what you pray for. He's going to yeah. change a lot of your, yeah. your, your junk. He's going to change a lot of your spiritual chaos, and he's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable in many respects so that you become a better you right. and a better testimony, a better witness to the gospel. And so John receives the word, and then suddenly he gets a larger purpose. You're going to prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Increased influence in the kingdom is the result of increased ingestion of the word of God. Oh, that's good. You want to have a greater calling? You want to have a greater mission in Jesus? Well, get into his word. Because everything that God does, he does through his word. Yeah. So why the Bible opens up with, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Right there on the very first page of the Bible, God is saying, this is how I do things. I get things done. I change things. I bring light to darkness. How? Through my word. Mm. If you want to change things, if you want your life to be better, if you want to grow, if you want to flourish, Get into the Word of God. It will flourish and grow and develop your life. Awesome. So, summary. The Scriptures are the Word of God for God's people, and we must do everything that we can to get the Scriptures into God's people. Secondly, the proclamation of the Gospel is the primary mission of the church. If we don't teach people the Gospel, we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. The church's mission is not to have Christmas cantatas. <laughs> <laughs> the church's mission is not to have softball teams. No. The church's mission is not to have big buildings and big programs. The church's mission is to make the gospel of Jesus known because the gospel changes people's lives. But thirdly, there is a cost, a bittersweet nature to being gospel witnesses. It's not easy. No. It's not no. easy, but it's good. And you know, worth it. It's and worth, worth it. it. Yeah, It's worth it. It'll take you places that you will never believe you'll go. Like Guatemala. Like Guatemala. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know you Bringing it back. You know? <laughs> Bringing it all. Bring yeah, it. I mean, you'll, you'll never know. I, when I was a kid and I received Christ and received the Holy Spirit at age 12 or whatever, I mean, I never thought I'd go to Guatemala. No. And I'm going to Uganda in a couple of weeks. Yeah, can't wait yeah. to see those pictures. Um, you know, I never thought I'd travel the world for the sake of the gospel. You just, you give your life to Christ. He just does that. He just starts to grow. Yeah, yeah. Grow I, your life. Every so everything that I've gone through over the last eight years, I I never would have imagined. Never would have. Yeah, you know, I had that conversation with you, Chris. I I was instrumental in bringing you to Christ. Yeah. And then I said to you, we were in the bathroom. I'll never forget. We were in the bathroom at Burger King in Guatemala. In Guatemala, yes, they have Burger King in Guatemala, by the way. <laughs> good burger. And it's really good. And I said to you, because <laughs> I used to go to you for uh, muscle treatments. Yeah. That's how we knew each other. Yeah, physical therapy. The physical therapy. And. I said to you, who would have thought seven years ago when you were treating my, my aching muscles that you would bring me to Guatemala? <laughs> you were instrumental yeah. in bringing me to Christ. Wow. I was instrumental in bringing you to Guatemala. It, it is just so That was cool. amazing. This is the Praise kingdom. God, man. This is, this is how cool it is to follow Jesus. Is yeah. there a cost? Yes. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Amen. So come to Guatemala with us. Let God change your life. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. The Deep End is live every Wednesday at noon. Facebook.com slash The Deep End TV. YouTube.com slash Waters Church. Search The Deep End channel or go to TheDeepEnd.tv and subscribe and like and hit the notification little bell. The notification little bell. Don't just subscribe. Hit that bell. You'll get notifications to your smart device that we are live every Wednesday. And if you can't watch it live, watch it after or listen to it on your favorite podcast app. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Josh, Chris, thanks for being here. Thank you, Thank you very much. This was The Deep End.